no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, thanks everybody for tuning in on the Scores YouTube page. Subscribe, uh, rate, review the podcast. It's First and Pod. I'm Danny Parkins. He's Andrew Filipponi. He does afternoons in Pittsburgh. I do, of course, in Chicago. Uh, most of you are listening to this, but we are coming to you uh, as a podcast on Monday morning. But we are coming to you live on Sunday night after a pretty thorough uh, win for the Ravens against Jacksonville. Wow, that was awfully convincing. Well, <laughs> all right, I was trying to buy you time as you wanted. As Spencer goes three, two, one, you're live, and then you go. Well, I just forgot out. that I didn't do my uh, mandatory. Promotion to everybody to say, yeah. hey, we're doing a well, show right now. Listen, I mean, Baltimore statistically dominated the game. Lamar Jackson was clearly the best player on the field. But Trevor Lawrence, man, we've been talking about this for two years. Like between the 20s, this guy's a top five quarterback in the NFL. And then he gets into the red zone and he just does dumb things, like just dropping the ball in the first half inexplicably when he's scrambling, then the completion down to the five-yard line, and he throws a one-yard pass and doesn't spike the ball. Like These are just brain fart, like unforced mental errors on the guy that honestly defy logic to me, Pony. They as a team, and I, he's their best, he's their number one overall pick quarterback who had that, you know, amazing comeback in the playoffs last year. Then I thought they were competitive in Kansas City. Uh, but as a whole, the Jaguars have had a number of these games at home this year to prove to people that they're a contender and not just we're good enough to win the AFC South and have a home playoff game and be the required uh, contestant in the playoff field from this division. They've had numerous chances to prove to people, hey, we're really a pretty good team. Uh, Kansas City in week two. Uh, the San Francisco game at home. This game, their first Sunday night football game in more than a decade. Uh, big crowd. Uh, standalone game, all eyes on them. And in all three games, they were not even really competitive. Uh, they they hung around in this game. That's the best I can say about it. They never were really a legitimate threat to win. They fell behind, and they never took the lead. So they, in my opinion now, now the odds makers differed on this because they kind of set their win total pretty low for the season because they didn't completely buy in. But for me, Jacksonville's underachieved because I, when the season started, thought, that if I were to rank the teams in the AFC that could legitimately unseat and knock off Kansas City, I liked them because of Lawrence's uh, potential to be better, to be a great player, and the and the schedule and the division they played in. They're tied now. They'll they'll probably win it because they're uh, they they swept the Colts and they split with Houston, and their schedule's not daunting the rest of the way, but. It's going to take Jacksonville winning at least another playoff game this year for me to take back what I'm saying right now, which is I thought they would be better than this, Danny. Yeah, you were higher on them uh, than I was before the season. I thought that everybody kind of crowned them before they had really accomplished 
anything on their own merits, even though they're clearly building in the right direction. I thought Collinsworth was really good on them tonight. That they're good, they're solid, but they just feel a player or two away on both sides of the ball from being a real contender. And he was talking about up front in the ability to like actually give them a short yardage power running game, whether it's a, a mauler of an offensive lineman or, uh, you know, a counter punch to ETN. I know they drafted the kid uh, this year, Bigsby, and then that didn't end up working out for them, but like they're, they're trying to do it right. And I still think that they're trending in the right direction, but I think that they're one and done uh, in the playoffs this year. Honestly, that kind of thing should not be necessary. I mean, it's nice to have, you know, a bigger running back for short yardage and a guard maybe that's more of a physical yeah. uh, type. But you, you've got Trevor Lawrence in his third year, and he was drafted as the next Andrew Luck can't-miss prospect. You shouldn't need, like, a really good – 11th man out of 53 on your roster to get yourself to where you want to go to me like complimentary pieces. You should be able to afford them and build your team that way. Cause you don't have an expensive quarterback yet, but I'm also expecting Lawrence to raise the level of the players around him more and 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions coming into the game and a bunch of fumbles is not in my opinion doing that. We've seen it in a handful of games this year, but not enough. No, he's he's. I agree with you. I, I agree completely. Uh, on Baltimore, because you know they are the team that won the game, and they still can be the one seed in the AFC. His numbers for the year are not going to be great. This is the ultimate eye test point. But has anyone been better than Lamar Jackson this year? At is quarterback, anyone, is anyone? Yeah, is anyone playing? quarterback better than Lamar Jackson he's doing what they demand out of him on a weekly basis so if you do your job well 14 you know to this point what's the record now they've played 14 games I would say of their 14 games he had a really crappy game against the Steelers he didn't play well against Indianapolis in week three Outside of that, I think he's done his job every week. I mean, he gets, in my opinion, a, a passing. If you do something well a lot, you're great. And I think that's what he's done this year. And Collinsworth, back to him. By the way, I have a broadcasting point on the Bears for later in the show that I think you'll like. Okay. Um, but Collinsworth, I think, was good on him. Like, he would have run it there. Instead, he's throwing it. Like, he made that point a few times. And I think the guys adapted – uh, in, in, in the best possible way this year and, and has done it faster than you and I probably thought. I mean, he had 90-plus rushing yards and was still running to set up the pass and keeping his eyes downfield and creating something out of nothing plays. I, I, thought, I just thought he was very, very impressive. I'll ask you the first game so that because uh, my Bears are the second game and you can ask me about it. Um, Bills-Cowboys. What a script flipping type of game here. I don't know that anyone saw that game flow coming. Can you figure out either of these two teams? Well, I yeah. I mean, we talked about this. No, 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 I, no, 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 no. You thought Buffalo was going to win. You did not think they were going to run for 266 no. well, you're right. yards on not, the ground. No, I did not. More, I did, I did more not, than any, any, any Buffalo okay. Bill game since 2016. Okay, I didn't, I didn't think that. Uh, 
James Cook was going to look like Thurman Thomas today. I got that part wrong. I did not think that Josh Allen was going to throw for 94 yards and they were going to win the game. But, that, that, that was one of the craziest game okay, flow okay. games of the year, man. Okay, yeah. So that part, like the actual meat of the game, like what happened within the game or how it happened, I didn't yes. give you that crystal ball vision. But I said on Thursday, I liked the Bills if they made the playoffs more than the Cowboys, which you had a very hard time wrapping your mind around. Do you get it now? If they get in. If they get in. They're more dangerous than Dallas. I'm not. I'm just making sure that this time it's not getting lost in translation here. I said if they make the playoffs, which is still not a guarantee because what else happened? They don't have good tiebreakers. They're more dangerous than Dallas because Dallas has a they have a road problem. They're not, they're they're an A plus team in Dallas, and they're about a B minus team away from. Uh, Jerry's world. And that's been consistent all year. And honestly, that's probably true of the last two or three years, but it's just more pronounced this season. They averaged 40 plus points per game at home and they scored effing three points in this game today. And I know Buffalo had the time of possession thing going for them, but still it's like they didn't have the ball. I, I, I was around my uncle this weekend. Who's a huge bills fan. And he's like, I don't think our defense can go 60 minutes with Dallas because of all the injuries they have. I mean, they've had Milano out, White yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, their their pass rushers have been hit or miss at times this year. That was a complete ass-kicking in every facet of the game for them. I, I can't believe they won the game that way. The, the whole thing has been that 70-80% of their offense goes through Josh Allen. But Cook has been better since the coordinator change, and this was the biggest example of it. But this but, is such an extreme example. Like, I the, know. Yeah, Joe Brady, we should say his name. like that. That is a very, very significant thing because if all of a sudden they actually are complimentary and they can – let their defense rest. I know, so but they, they can... let he did leave a breadcrumb trail for this game. I mean, Cook was really good last week against Kansas City. You see Diggs' numbers are coming back a little bit. They are a more versatile offense now. You can't just hone in on Allen to Diggs, and if you take that combination away, you're going to beat them. It's not that simple anymore. No, but it, it's such a game changer, man. Like these are so they, they'd be on the outside looking in, right? These, these are the teams in the AFC. That are in the wild card situation: Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indy, Houston, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Denver. Those are the teams. That's seven teams for three spots. Buffalo is clearly yeah, far and away the best of those seven. That's teams. what I was trying to tell you last week, man. Okay, well, this version of them is scary. And the Cowboys keep trying to tell us who they really are, but we don't want to listen because then they'll come home and they'll hang 44 on somebody and we'll go back to thinking that they can win the Super Bowl. Tough look for Dak today. Yeah. Well, that's why we'll get to the MVP odds later. Okay, Bears and Browns. So you're saying where does this loss rank for the Bears? I'll give you the floor on that, and then I want to give you a complete sidebar 
story to this game today. So give me the Bears perspective on blowing okay. a double digit lead in the second half. Uh, a double digit lead in the fourth, in the fourth quarter, quarter. For, the, yes. for the third time this year. Mm-hmm. Plus the no show against Green Bay in the opener, man. Yeah. Like that they, they it's really hard to turn the other team over three times and have four sacks and have a double digit lead in the fourth quarter and lose. Like that these losses are historic. The Denver loss, unbelievable. The Detroit loss, unbelievable. This loss, unbelievable. So they're no longer in the hunt. It is maximum pain. I didn't think that Justin Fields uh, played that well, but he wasn't a top five problem in the game. He was let down. I mean, Tunyon, he had about 120 yards of touchdowns dropped Uh uh, between Tunyon in the first half and Mooney at the end of the game. There's like an unbelievably idiotic – storyline or talking point going around about Matt Eberflus not kicking the field goal at the end of the first half. It was a 55-yarder into the wind with Cairo Santos. He was short from 52 going that direction pregame, like the ball dropping 5, 10 yards short. Like He had absolutely no chance of getting it. Uh, another time where Fields doesn't get the, the call on the, late, on the late hit, he's got to be the least protected quarterback mm-hmm. in the NFL. Getsy is maddening as a play caller. The moral of the story is that the Bears are improving, but they're not good enough anywhere. They're not good enough at quarterback. They're not good enough at head coach. They're not good enough at offensive coordinator. They need to dare to be great because the rest of the roster actually is pretty good. And Ryan Poles seems like he really knows what he's doing in terms of evaluation. So I still think overall the arrow's pointing up. But this year has just been excruciating in terms of like the actual results of these games. Okay, so I was driving back home from a family get-together. My grandmother had her 90th birthday on Saturday. Mouth and we up. surprised her. She didn't know about it. I thought we were going to give her a heart attack when she saw yeah, us. Yeah, that's risky. Cool. You can't be surprised a 90-year-old. She's, she's, she's honestly as lucid and... Uh, still with it and works out and stuff as a 90-year-old. It's like really an inspirational thing to see that she still got it like that. Um, so driving back, uh, I'm driving. You know, I've kind of tried to beg off of that to watch games, but Amanda wasn't really feeling it. So I'm driving at this point, the last leg of the trip. Yeah, you're not a and, good driver either. Um, thank you for that. No problem. And uh, I put on the Bears uh, radio broadcast. Now we don't have the games any. We don't have the game anymore, right? No, it's no, the worst NFL broadcast in the league. <laughs> it's and I'm not and I and I know we're on the scores thing. This is not like I'm doing this just to you know get get like a thumbs up or add a boy from you guys. Just three things that happen that I can't stand as like a listener of football. The halftime show takes calls. What the f is that? How long has that been going on for? That's Let's new. have Bill in Arlington Heights tell us about. You know, what Matt Eberflus did with Cairo Santos. I mean, what's, I mean, it's unbelievable. I've never, halftime's 12 minutes. How, how long's the segment? The guy can't do two minutes without going to break? Give me a quick out-of-town scoreboard and be done with it. I don't need you to set up calls there. Are the calls even real? Are they plants? I mean, how do you even get calls that fast? So that's in the first one. 
it, they, the sideline reporter is awful. I mean, when I say he added zero, he added nothing and probably subtracted from the broadcast. And then I want you to go do this at some point tomorrow. And I'm urging all your Chicago viewers who are watching this. The final call is atrocious. I know Joniak's like supposedly this great Hall of Fame broadcaster. Is that his name, Jeff Joniak? Yeah, Jeff Joniak. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know that he's going into the Hall of Fame, but he's a very nice guy. The ball's almost caught. <laughs> there's no like, oh my god, they have like, there's no excruciating. He had the ball. He's like, okay, hail Mary. Oh, what, like Mooney had it for a second. The Browns win. We'll be back for like a final thought after this. And mm. then I get home and I watch the highlight and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> that should have been a touchdown. He should have, that that was a touchdown. Like everything you said about like how their season is at all these excruciating losses. It was excruciating. Yeah. If he hangs onto the, if he hangs onto the ball, it's our lead. Yeah. But they won on a Hail Mary, which could have easily happened. So Easily could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't have right. known that from listening today, though. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate it. You guys you. aren't trying to get their broadcast rights back, are you? No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go okay, ahead. good. Yeah, no, let's go go right ahead. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Uh Jets and Dolphins. It's a blowout, but I just thought that this was interesting. And frankly, I didn't think that hard about the order of the rundown. Um did that game do more to damage Tyreek's MVP case because they were successful without him? Or did it bolster to us? Um, well, I, I think that it, I think that it hurt Tyreek's offensive player of the year award status. Not, not, not that that's your question, but you think that you think it brings McCaffrey back into play for that? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to dodge your question here, but that was the first thing that popped into my head. Um, like, I think it did help to, for this reason. And I would, and I would even leave the door open for Tyreek in this way. Yeah. Now they both have a game where, okay, Tyreek is out. Tua doesn't look and look as good today or Sunday. Tyreek's out. It's a really, we think the defense is elite with the Jets or one of the better ones. They score 30 points, even though there's some turnovers and things mixed in there. So he showed that with Waddle and with Mostert and those guys, he could still put a lot of points on the board and do it efficiently. I think it keeps him alive because of what their next two game because of what they have left. It's Dallas next week, and week 18 is going to be against Buffalo. And if he has huge games against both of those teams and they win both, maybe he can backdoor his way in to conversation for the MVP. But I think the game went well enough for him today where if you're looking for candidates outside of San Francisco, you leave the light on for Tua is what I would say about it. Tyreek and Tua are both 25 to 1. I think this game eliminated Tyreek. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, well, wide receivers never, you know, since what, I, Rice? I, I, mean, I know, not... I know. But but if if he would have had a 2,000-yard receiving season, which I guess is still possible, but it, they were they were successful without him. Whereas we saw last week when they struggled when he left the game, we said that that helped him. 
Then when they dominate without him, I think it shows, oh, okay, they were able to game plan around for it and and they were fine. He can't be the MVP. Uh, I thought Waddle came out of the game looking better than anybody because he's going up against those Jets corners and he had a monster game. Yeah, he he torched them. I I mean, I know that the MVP stuff is going to just, this late in the year, it's always going to be a part of this conversation. Do you know what it is right now? Do you want to take a guess at who the favorite is and what the number is? It's minus 150 for Purdy. Yeah, and I'm seeing it get all the way to minus 200, dude. That's that's unreal. That is that for a guy that I said a month ago was going to or two months ago was going to lose this job to Sam Darnold. Way to go, Andrew. Good minus stuff. 200 to be the MVP of the NFL. Awesome stuff on the podcast, Pony, to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Chiefs and Patriots. Okay, so explain this to me. Should the Chiefs bench Kadarius Tony? Did you see the interception? Yes, I know. The, I know. Yes, I know the player talking about. Yep. Okay. Okay. And and Mahomes seemed to like get was was that when he was on the bench and you could tell that he was like very yeah. visibly frustrated and ticked off. Because, okay, so listen, like how the Chiefs performed today overall is what I said last week is like their best case scenario. What they're going to need, they're going to. I don't think it's going to be the same guy or guys every week stepping up in the playmaker role. But today, Clyde Edwards-Alaire has a great game, has that awesome catch in the back. Rasheed Rice has has an awesome game. Like today, it was Alaire, uh, Edwards-Alaire and Rice. Maybe next week, it's Watson and Pacheco. Maybe the next week, it's Kelsey. Like I think that that is the formula here, but that's obviously just tougher for Reed and Mahomes because they don't know who to – feature in a game plan week in and week out who they can really trust it's going to be whoever rises up in the moment that can work and I know they think they need Kadarius Tony to move the ball because he does get open and MVS can't catch and Sky Moore is a zero but <laughs> but the, Pony if it was if it was baseball Kadarius Tony would have a negative war yeah, it's I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen a wide receiver single handedly have this many like crippling backbreaking plays like drops and just handing the ball to the other team. man. it's I I would consider benching him for like a half. Like so like I don't know the guy personally at all or if he would like go into the tank and that's why they're just trying to like put their arms around him collectively. But these plays if they're not playing new England, you can't have them happen. And it just, it feels like he's going to do something that is going to cripple them in a postseason game. It's feeling inevitable at this point. Yeah. I don't think he's uh, so irreplaceable, even with his unique skill set as it pertains to that team where it's worth, uh, you know, putting up with all of these gaffes and mishaps and things. So, you know, making him and help making him a scratch or an inactive for a game or something like that, or, or reducing his role within a game I've got zero problem with. I, I'm with you. I actually like it. Uh, the thing I was going to say about this, I, I, I had two thoughts on Kansas City's offense off of this question that I just wanted to run by you. The first one was, I know this might sound like a little thing, but the trick play where McKinnon pitched it and it was a passing touchdown to Rice or whatever. Yeah, for the touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Were, yeah. Like I just, those little wrinkles from Reed that he's done for so long, working down there 
I, I just feel like when those types of things are clicking for Kansas City, that's who they are. Like that, I see yeah. something like that, and I think, okay, like they're they're going to figure it out. Like that's their mo as an offense, and that's Reed's mad scientist thing, and it's manifesting in games and even against Belichick and his defense. They're able to hit on things like that, so that's a positive. The negative, though, is I just I am stunned by how Kelsey has just been completely taken out of games as a red zone guy this year. It's now like four or five games in a row without a touchdown catch for him. He only has five for the season. He's caught 30-something over the last three years, going back to 2022, 2021, and 2020. Like He was about as good as it, as you could find as a touchdown creator for teams. And I don't, I, I'm, you've brought up about like, is he near the end? Like, are we seeing him finally this year going to have good enough numbers Pro Bowl wise, but not look like that elite all pro yeah. Hall of Fame Travis Kelsey? And that would be part of it for me too. Like, Kansas City's looking for all these answers to get back to where they were last year. How about that guy just starts looking like Travis Kelsey again at some point soon? Is he capable of that? I think it's I think he's a step slower and he's getting a massive amount of defensive attention because no one else commands any defensive attention. You know, I, I that that's why we were so adamant that they needed to trade for someone at the deadline and they should have yeah. like o- overpaid for for someone to help him out. Now no big receiver was moved, but felt like that they should have uh, been more aggressive in that regard. Um All right, Niners and Cardinals. So Brock Purdy, as we've said now, is the favorite to win MVP. But Brock Purdy, after the game said, Christian McCaffrey is the MVP. Who's right? And we can do it through the prism of like that team, even if you want. Purdy or the gambling market? I think it's McCaffrey. And when I say that, I know it's going to – I've – at least like in Pittsburgh for a while, I was such a big Purdy denier because I just wanted to think that he was a byproduct of all the great players around him. And even watching, you know, today, like I see McCaffrey catch a touchdown pass where he falls and is so wide open that he has enough time to get back up and then run into the end zone and score. It's just comical. Here we are. I'm talking about how Kelsey can't get open enough in Kansas city with, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and McCaffrey has like 30 yards of separation between him and the closest defender. Um, and everyone in the world knows he's getting it in these short yardage plays and he still figures out a way yeah. to get in the end zone. I, I just, I feel like ever since he got to that team, they went from a very good team to the best team in the NFL. Yeah. And he's the, He's the difference maker there. I get it. Like Purdy, I do think runs their system better than Garoppolo did. So I have to give him credit for that. Like he is probably a top 10 quarterback in the NFL now. But there's a huge, like, this is what I don't get. Like there's a huge gap between being better than Jimmy Garoppolo and the MVP of the league. Yep. You know, like they are insanely dominant man 
Another obviously double-digit win. I'm standing by it. I don't think that they play a single-digit game the the rest of the year as long as they stay healthy. It's just, it's not a knock on Purdy. He's good. He's smart. He's accurate. He doesn't throw turnover-worthy plays. He gets the ball out to playmakers. Like game manager is an overused cliche, but like mm-hmm. they've got a game in. But you really think that like you or like the royal you really thinks it's a good idea to give Brock Purdy two hundred and fifty million dollars? You know what I mean? Like if 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 tomorrow they're like, yeah, he's our guy. We're giving him Joe Burrow's contract. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, um, like it would be totally ridiculous. I mean, there's precedent for this. I know I'm going to make my second Thurman Thomas reference of the day, but in the early 90s, they gave him the MVP award over Jim Kelly, and Kelly threw for like 30-something touchdown passes, and Buffalo was 13-3 and in the best team in the NFL. So, I mean, it's happened before. It's just been a long time. I don't, he, I don't, I don't think it I, – I, Purdy's numbers are really good. And no four one, touchdowns today. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think that we need to start preparing ourselves that Brock Purdy is going to be the MVP of the National Football League. It's insane. And he's not a top five player on his own team. I will. Let me just allow for this possibility, though, with him. I do think it's I don't I, I think it's maybe. Like a 33 percent chance of happening. So one out of it, one out of three, maybe. Thank you for that. that. Five years from now, we're looking back on the Purdy conversation and it's ridiculous the way that, you know, in the first couple of years of Tom Brady, it was, well, he just did what he needed to do and came through at the end of the games and was not an elite quarterback, which that was the narrative around him those first couple of years, I think because he was the 199th pick in the draft. You yeah, know? but those teams didn't have like offensive, massive. Offensive oh, I know. Oh, oh, I know. It was. I know. It was that. It was Belichick and defense and all. Like this guy is putting up insane numbers, but it just great coach, great left tackle, great tight end, great receivers, great running back. And again, it's not that he's not good. He is good. He's better than I thought he was. But MVP of the league, best player in football. Stop. No, no, he is not. But but Dak is crap in the bed. Lamar's numbers aren't good enough. It's just it. He's gonna win. Hurts got injured. Like it's he he's going to win the award. It's crazy. Uh, you have next here the the I was gonna say Oilers game. Yes, but it, it was the Oilers game. Texans and Titans. Uh, was this karma for the Titans wearing the Oilers jerseys? And Vrabel showed up with a bum Phillips cowboy hat on. Yeah, And after the Case Keenum pick six, it looked like it was going to be a route and the Texans rallied to win and get themselves to eight and six. Yeah, they deserved it. They really did. Good. As excruciating as possible for those frauds in Tennessee. They put the oil Derrick on the 50-yard line and they painted Oilers in the end zone too. I don't even I I like I've read like an article or two about it and none of the explanations make any sense. They were the Houston Oilers. And then they left. And there is a team in Houston. Like this would be like if the Ravens, when they played the Browns, wore the Browns jerseys. <laughs> like I it's so yeah. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. 
Like I, I, I don't, I don't understand how anyone could possibly justify this being okay. And it's a cool jersey. I want, I like the throwback look, but it should be CJ Stroud rocking it. I know he didn't play today, but like that, I want, I want to see Tank Dell in that jersey. I don't want to see Derrick Henry in that jersey. It's preposterous. I'm glad they lost. Well, this gets back to one of my pet peeve takes, which is the NFL should have made the Adams family in Houston, in Tennessee, excuse me, give the Oilers name and records back to the Texans franchise. They should have become the Oilers so they could wear that full time and keep the history of the, of the organization and the Titans become like the Ravens had to do their new, a new franchise. And honestly, the, the Titans uniforms, the reason why they do the Oilers one is because the regular unis suck. Yeah. I mean, there's the worst, they're the worst in the league. Yes. Um, so that's why they do it. it. It it honestly for Houston, like, didn't you think that Mills was going to start today? When I found out it was Case Keenum, I'm like, wait, did did Davis Mills get hurt in warmups? That was a bold. I mean, it's move. a massive win for Houston, man. Yes, that's a yeah, it's a massive tied, win. They're like, tied they, for first place now. Well, and, yeah, and I mean, just a, a win without Stroud, like whether they whether and they those win. receivers. Yes, whether they right, Nico Collins wasn't there. Whether they win the division or not, uh, it just it, it speaks to coaching, toughness, game planning, all, all of that stuff. It, very, very, very impressive. Win. As far as point spread goes, that was probably the biggest upset of the entire week, right? I mean, what did it go off at? Because Falcons were five and a half. Okay, so yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, but. I think that was it. Um, okay. I want to work through this with you because Baker had an awesome day. Four Bucks, touchdowns. Bucks Packers. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield is the blank best quarterback in football. So I'm watching Baker Mayfield today and I'm thinking like you are on this topic before you even submitted this question. As a Steelers fan, if I found out that he was going to be their starting quarterback next year, what would my reaction be? And right now, I'd have a very positive, almost giddy response to that. I would be well, like, ready to to ride, to like have that journey. I would be excited for the Baker Mayfield experience, which kind of speaks to the depths of depths of my despair currently. Yeah, but like, but my thing is like. Is Baker Mayfield playing himself into a team giving him like Geno Smith's contract? No, I don't think so. Not yet. I think he's a top 20 quarterback. I don't think he's having the Geno Smith type of season where I don't know, man. He's he's got the pedigree. His teammates love him. He clearly studies hard. He performed well for the Rams out of nowhere in that, in that game. Uh, last so Geno Smith threw 30 touchdowns last year. Okay. I know Baker Mayfield is at, I think a total of 20, right? 24 right now. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Now we're starting somewhere, dude. If he throws two a game, he's going to get to 30. Quarterback play is so bad in the NFL right now. Is it 
is it beyond the realm of possibility that a team brings in Baker Mayfield and it's like, well, you actually this guy, like, 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 I mean, a team like, I, I mean, I guess Tampa, but you know what I mean? Like, like, could Tampa say we're too good to draft a quarterback Baker three years, 70 million, 40 guaranteed. Yeah. Easy ways to get out of the contract and stuff. But I think the, I think you just stumbled on something that another one of these things that we'll do on this podcast that maybe the rest of the national football media will be uh, tick late to. I am stunned by the minimal amount of attention what he's doing in Tampa Bay has received because he is such a polarizing personality. Yes. Most everyone has an opinion on him way more than anyone had an opinion on Geno Smith before he had his breakout year last year, even though maybe in a way like just because he was completely given up on. So that was a more of a resurrection than what we're seeing here, but he's, he's playing like the Baker Mayfield that got the Browns to the playoffs, won a playoff game and played competitively in Kansas city. At that point, he looked like he was going to be the Brown starting quarterback for the next 10 years. I was, I am just looking like very wrong on Baker Mayfield, man. Like that guy is going to definitely have a 10 year career in the NFL and he he might have a 15 year career. It's yeah. I'm just, I'm well, give me a, give me a team besides like, let me ask you this question just quickly and then we'll move on here. Would you rather have for the, for the future, would you rather have Baker Mayfield or Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback? Um, I mean, I, I think Aaron Rodgers has a better chance of winning a Super Bowl next year than Baker Mayfield does. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't (laughs) like what for one year though, you know? Well, right. But I'm saying like, I know if both were free agents right now. And you're taking into account how much money they'll demand and whatever else. Who would you rather sign, Baker Mayfield or Aaron Rodgers? I think right now the answer is actually Mayfield. Yeah, again, I think it depends which what who the team is. Like, I think I think if you think you can win a Super Bowl next year, it's Rodgers. If you think you're building for a five year run, it's it's Baker. Not that I think I want to commit necessarily to Baker for five years, but it's. Quarterback play is bad, man. He's he is absolutely going to get a contract. Okay, ask me the next question because I want to just say something about this quickly. Okay, Panthers Falcons tickets were going for four bucks. The stadium was empty. The weather was admittedly terrible. How bad of a look is that for the NFL in Carolina? I don't think it's a bad look really at all, um, because. I think that situation is so unique for the league where a team is that bad and completely out of it. They don't have a first round pick. It's like, there's really no. But they're playing. They they have the, they have their guy. They have no, their guy. And, and, and he's, and he's playing quarterback, but it's been so bad with him but, this year. But if, if Bryce Young was hurt, it'd be one thing, but you're telling me that, 75% of the way into the rookie year of the number one pick in the draft. 
you're already it's it's stay it's you just walk into the game for free that parking costs more than a ticket to the game that a hot dog costs more than a ticket to the game that's not good and people are like, oh it's a d- dissatisfaction in ownership eh. no i don't think that that's what it is i i i just think that they definitely not that for 60,000 people it's 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 not a tradition it's not a tradition laden franchise. They don't have fans that have been rooting for the team for generations. You know that's the other problem with this. Um, they don't have a lot of uh, successful uh, seasons since they've you know come out of expansion like the in the last thirty five years or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like the thing that I was going to ask you about about this game is. Is there any way that Carolina now doesn't end up with the first pick? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's possible. I mean, they got to win a couple more games. Like, New England needs to lose out. And I think Carolina wins. I mean, one would be a tie, two. And then I don't know what the tiebreaker would be off the top of my head. I think. It's yeah, I, I don't know what the tiebreaker is for the number one pick. If Arizona, Carolina, New England all finish tied with the same record, who gets the number one pick? Is that determined at the end of the season? Is it is it nothing to do with like strength of schedule or head to head tiebreakers? Yeah, I mean, it's not a it's not like a coin flip. There's there's something. I'm not sure what it is. They though. used to flip a coin back in the day. That's how the Steelers got Bradshaw. They won a coin toss. Yeah, I'm not, uh, but I don't think it is with three teams. But we'll figure it out. Rams um, Commanders. Yeah, you said today cements that Washington is in the quarterback market. It is uh, the Howell thing. Howell is going to be one of these guys who I think is somewhere between the 25th and 35th best starting quarterback or best quarterback in the NFL for a longer, for a long period of time. And maybe some years he's closer to average and maybe some other years he's complete dog crap. And, you know, when he plays, he's just a a powder keg who blows up and throws three or four interceptions when he gets his, spot starts but no there's no I don't think you're mining Sam Howell to see I don't I know how many yards he's thrown for great Jameis Winston led the league in in passing yards and wasn't a starting quarterback the next year or two years later um he's not he's not a net he turns the ball over too much he holds on to the ball for too long Brissett went in I know it's against prevent defense but instantly made their offense look better He's done. That was the thing, right? It's 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 garbage time. But he if if and Brissett is we've talked about Brissett. Brissett's a very good backup quarterback and is capable of starting in the NFL. You know, in the right circumstance for a bad team. But if Jacoby Brissett's coming in and immediately making the team look better, they're not committing to Sam Howell. It's just not it's not possible. And the Rams, I continue to say it, uh, and you were on it before the year. They absolutely can win an NFC playoff game. Oh, yeah. And I really hope, because our Lions are not going to ship the NFC for us, uh, just for watchability, I hope that's the 6-3 game. That would be one of the – that'd be a, a great wild card game. Rams-Lions. That'd be great. Maybe Baker ends up in Washington. Uh, Saints yeah. and Giants. Did the clock strike midnight on Tommy Cutlets? I mean, well, so you see that like he's doubling his appearance fee for some pizzeria on his day off. Darren Ravel's tweeting about it. Now he wants 20K instead of 10K. But they 
you know, throws for 177 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, I think that it's a great story and he'll dine off of it and sign autographs off of it for forever, but feels, feels like the phenomenon and the steam is, is wearing down. Well, I think there was a 15 minutes of fame quotient to it the entire time. Yeah. Uh, it's the problem. But with I mean, these, if you would have won today, it would have been 35 minutes of fame. The problem with these guys is that uh, when their bubble is close to bursting, like the legitimate NFL players seize on it. And we saw that today where every time he got hit, a Saints player would get, get up and do the Italian hand gesture. Even coaches on the Saints sideline were doing it. It kind of reminds me of when Tebow was a rookie and a guy would sack him and he'd do the, he'd genuflect after sacking him to make fun of him. And I think that guys, when they recognize that someone's kind of fugazi and is an imposter, they go right to that. Um, so that would back up what you're saying. It's yeah. just hearing the the commentary on FAN in New York this week was hilarious. Like guys on the air there believing that he's not just a better leader than Daniel Jones, but legitimately a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Who said that? I think several of their hosts, and I can't even put one person's name on it. Yeah. Which maybe if I was there, I'd get caught up in the emotion of it too, because no, it is a fun story. You would not. That is ridiculous. I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is that good, but I mean, come on. That's so silly. Uh, do you want a minute to talk about the Steelers? Sure. What do you want on it? What do you want me to say? Here's what I want on it. Are you willing to admit that the 2012 Steelers-Colts game had no ramifications there? Because Spencer put up the quote, they always beat them. They beat them last year. They always beat this team. That was you on Thursday. It's almost like that was a correlation thing and not a causation thing. And the Steelers don't just play well when they see the horseshoe and the blue and white well, on the, on the I, long I just, I, I, I don't – you're – outlook on sports where you're trying to pretend now that as a Cubs fan, you didn't have a sense of dread for years that no, regardless of who was in a Cardinals uniform, the Cubs are going to find a way to lose big games to that team. Like that whole mindset never existed for you, which I just refuse to believe that the, the regardless of who's suiting fan. up the, a fan not believing their team can beat it. A fan, short for fanatic, it's irrational. We're talking about – we're trying to predict who's going to win these games, and you're like, eh, they never beat them. They didn't. I mean, at, when at, when every time I watch a game, if the result is the same, how am I not impacted or affected by that? I am. So, I mean, so what about now? What's that? What about now? Yeah, what about now? Well, <laughs> after that, after that molly whopping. Well, obviously – I can't say that anymore, and now I'm not going to have the same degree of confidence or level of confidence in games where the Steelers and Colts get together. Oh, 11 uh, of the it, last 12. Well, of- look, I mean, that was one of the, that was, I guess, another one of these things where I over, uh, I, uh, I overcompensated. I, oh, no I, <laughs> I <laughs> look, <laughs> I, I've been trying, don't try to distract from this. I've been banging the drum for Tomlin 
for for the world to wake up to the fact that this coach is not as good as people outside of Pittsburgh make him out to be. And I think that that bandwagon is starting to fill up with people now, having watched the deterioration of this team over the last three games. I mean, just pathetic losses, Danny. You're trying to tell me about mad Eberflus losses to the Lions when this team's lost to the Patriots, Cardinals, and Colts in back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks. Yeah, it's not good. No, it's not. It's not good. How is it watching Mitch Trubisky? I have no experience with that. I don't think I'm going to have to watch him again. I think he's done. I think they're benching him for Rudolph. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Good. All right. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Hey, for Christmas, I want a five-star review. What do you want? What do I want? I don't really care what you want. He also wants a five-star review. Thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer, first and pod. Peace.